norms are only what we're experiencing because of leadership. So leaders create the norms. So we need leadership to change the norms and, and help us to see. So we're we're inside of a norm and we think it's norm, it's 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 okay, it's good, but it's all it is is the environment that our leaders have put us in. So I think that just also comes with being a pioneer that you've got to break down those walls. And it's it's not something uh, that I bemoan. It, it's, it's something that accept, a challenge I accept. I, I like it, I enjoy it because the, the other side of it is, is so great. You know, when you do what people didn't think you could do, they're like, wow, you know, this is, this is amazing, this is great. Welcome back to another episode of Who's Saving the Planet. Lex Keefauber here, and I will be joined shortly by my co-host for this episode, Kirti. And this week, we have as our guest, Jason Clark. Jason is the founder of Energy Electives, and he is the president of the Tennessee Solar Energy Association, which is an organization dedicated to community service by way of electrifying homes, community centers, local buildings in the Tennessee area using solar panels. So this episode is as much about solar technology as it is about what we as individuals can do to be inspirations, to be leaders within our own communities. Jason is also a man of faith. He is a minister in his community, and he is a pioneer. He is the first African-American man licensed to install solar panels in the state of Tennessee. So this episode is as much about the importance of electrifying our communities as it is the importance of leading by example. And we all have something to learn from, from Jason's experience and the the way that he's decided to comport himself in the, in his community. And so for that, I'm, I'm grateful to him for coming on the podcast and sharing his story and also for Kirti for coming in and helping us to, to understand what the world looks like through his eyes and, ha- and what we have to learn from that. So here we go. This is our episode with Jason Carney, the president of the Tennessee Solar Energy Association and the founder of the Energy Electives Consultancy based out of Tennessee. All right, here we go. Welcome back to another episode of Who is Saving the Planet. Always a pleasure to have you with me, Kirti. Welcome aboard. Thank you once again, Lex. It's always a pleasure to be here. I can't, I'm so excited for the conversation we're about to have, because just in the two minutes that we had before the conversation that we're going to have, it proved entirely fruitful. Welcome, Jason Carney. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Lex. Good to meet you, Kirti. It's a pleasure. Yeah, a pleasure to have. Sorry. Sorry. It's great to meet you, Kirti. It's great to see you. All those good things. You can tell I'm already excited to dig into the meat and potatoes here. Um, so you are the president of the Tennessee Solar Energy Association, which is which is what exactly? It's, um, it is a uh, nonprofit, a 501c3, where we uh, really want to uh, celebrate and educate solar uh, for Tennesseans uh, and, and anyone who will listen. And so it's you know, more of an affinity uh, group. 
so that is pushing forward the adoption of solar technology in your home state of Tennessee and community of Nashville. You also uh, own and operate Energy Electives, which is helping to actually get those projects out into the world. Um, and in addition to that, you are a man of faith. That's correct. I'm a co-minister at Old Hickory Boulevard Church of Christ here in Nashville as well. So we have so much to get into about this. But first, set the stage. How how did you come how did you come to to do these these two things in his life? These two related but but often considered to be very distinct things. One is pursuing science and its application, and the other is the pursuit of uh, religious articulation of your beliefs. Yeah. So um, of course you know, the, the religion is first because that's what I've kind of grown up in. Um, I'm in the uh, American South, which, and I'm a, an African-American. And so it's a, it's a very, you know, the landscape is very religious, you know, um, for, especially for African-Americans, but really just the culture in general is that, you know, everyone goes to church on Sunday. Now, mm-hmm. uh, as Martin Luther King and others have said, that's a that's the most segregated hour of our in our country, um, but it is still uh, part of the culture. That's what I grew up in. I was born in '79, so um, that's just kind of been part of me. And um, you know, as I've grown and continued to search out, you know, why I am what I am. As I told you, we're, I'm a member of the Church of Christ, and, and one of those key tenets of the church is that you don't, you're not a member because your mom or your dad was a member. It's not a a membership through heredity uh, or genealogy, but it's a membership through faith. So we are continuing to be encouraged to push the boundaries of your understanding so that you're always here because you believe and not, you know, because it's, um, it's a custom and it's part of the norm. So, you know, as I've, you know, pushed my understanding uh, of, of God and <clears throat> Jesus Christ and the church and all that that means to me, it's it's only deepened my faith. Uh, and, you know, let me kind of know that, you know, in the end, you know, I was just talking to my kids the other day. Uh, my son is in love with time travel. Uh, and he was like, you got to watch Back to the Future. And I'm like, I'll watch it because, you know, it was a classic when I was growing up, you know. So he's like, so I'm telling him, I'm saying, you know, let's, you know, you want to study time travel, but you've got to study, you know, math first. He hates doing his work. <laughs> so I'm like, how are you ever going to get the time travel if you don't want to do math? But at any event, I'm, I'm telling him at the end of the day, though, this is, it's not possible. So, so I just want to lay that out. But you could learn a lot on your way to trying to get to time travel. But understand that time is only, it's kind of a figment of our imagination. It was kind of created by God, right? We only understand time because it marks growth and change. Um, before you were here, there was no time. And if once you're gone, then there is also no more time. It, it's just how we mark growth and change. So um, that's kind of, uh, you know, as I've you know, pushed to understand more and, and gotten deeper into my faith, those are the kind of things that I, that I consider uh, and it shapes mm-hmm. kind of my approach to life. but. So I grew up in that. And then when I came to be introduced to solar energy, um, it just hit on so many levels that this is such a great thing because, you know, no, no man controls the sun. It's, 
no one can say that they made the sun. Uh, and it's such a, an incredible scientific, uh, or the order of the cosmos and the universe is so incredible, such that some scientists say, if we were an inch closer, we'd burn up. And if we were an inch further away, we'd freeze to death. So we're like literally in the perfect position for life to exist. Uh, and then it's giving off all this power. So, you know, scientists say enough solar energy falls on the earth to power um, the planet for a year in one hour. So in one hour, we're getting enough power if we can harness it that we could power the, 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 the world for a whole year. Um, that's an incredible amount of power. It just uh, is amazing uh, that what it can do to unlock opportunities and jobs and keep down bills and kind of starts pushing more to my, this community um, feel that, that I like that begins with my faith, um, but also I use my uh, technical background to try to address. Yeah, so on the note on like, you know, the basically boundless potential for power it can generate, like, do you find, or like, how do you debate with people that say, oh, you know, renewable energy is not a reliable source of energy because that's almost the buzzword today. Right. Um, it's, it's just funny how things kind of get flipped on their head. It's, it's, it's not that it's not reliable, um, but that it's um, without storage, it is intermittent, but it's 100% reliable. It's going to always be there. You know, I always say that if the sun stops shining, then electricity is the least of your worries. <laughs> I, I love that yeah and and i agree with you so i but i find it like really hard to to you know challenge that debate sometimes oh no it's it's going to shine our challenge is how do we harness it and how do we store it so yeah. because we do have this tremendous resource um you would think that solar power would be everywhere that it would be just so obvious to say we have something which is free to us sunlight why don't we try to harness it? Can you tell me a little bit about the work that you do specifically with the Tennessee Solar Energy Association and the challenges that you've seen in terms of adopting that in your hometown and, and the wins that you've had? So so what has that journey been like and where are we right now today? Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So the, the challenges are that the way I like to explain it. So in, in, in where I'm at uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, um, we have one utility and it's called the Tennessee Valley Authority. Mm -hmm. They make the power and everyone you know, basically uses the power that they make. Um, and it, as I always say, the Edison and, and Tesla fought over, you know, which form AC or DC should be transmitted um, in I think 1893 at the Chicago Exposition. And so then for 30, 40 years later in 1933, after we're coming you know, out of a, a depression um, and stock market crash and all that, the government comes in and says, we've got to do something. We've got to help people. And there's, you know, we've got this technology out here that could light up the valley, uh, and provide jobs for all these you know, people that live in, the, in this valley uh, and you know, increase economic activity and do all these great things. Let's create uh, 
you know, programs. One of them was the TVA, the Tennessee Valley Authority, that said, okay, within this fence, within this geographical area, only TVA can make electricity, such that it allowed, you know, TVA the confidence as it's a quasi-federal government, they you know kind of secure their own funds through the sale of electricity, but allowed them to uh, be able to confidently make investments and build up, you know, what back then was um, a lot of hydro, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of dams, uh, but also starting to get into, or, or using that and transmitting it over long distances. So they used a new technology to help a lot of people. Now, 80 years later, we have a new technology in renewables such as solar that could do the same thing, but that's 80 years of no competition and they've gotten really you know, comfortable in that. So now, since the federal government says no one else can make electricity, they control that market. And now we have an ability, an opportunity to democratize power uh, and have everyone have the ability to generate their and make their own power. But that's, you know, completely in, in opposition to their business model of centralized power. So they uh, have created, you know, uh, opportunity and challenges. So they used to um, incentivize people to go solar when it was very expensive and, um, you know, a lot of people couldn't adopt it. So now that prices are falling, um, they've completely disincentivized it and basically said, we're going to make all the power from solar. We're going to do in big industrial farms instead of allowing a lot of rooftop. And so TSEA is is more around doing more democratization of solar, more rooftop solar. Uh, and so since we don't have, it's almost impossible to move TVA. Um, it, it's almost like an act of Congress, like literally, because they're a federal organization. So presidents on both sides of the aisle have talked about selling TVA, it hasn't happened. Congress has never moved in that direction to, to try to privatize TVA. Your, your senators and, and state senators and, and Congress people aren't powerful enough to move it on their own. So it, my belief is that TSA is gonna to have to use grassroots kind of groundswell type um, activism to, uh, to influence the policymakers to make change. So we're just going to continue to create programs and celebrate those wins. Uh, so one of which um, is what I'm doing now, which is an extension of what I did before. <clears throat> the one I did before is uh, teaching high school students how to install solar at their school. Mm. And that was a big success. It was picked up by a national publication here. And uh, since then, um, I continue to get uh, inquiries about that. We're going to, in a week from now, that was an installation at the school. Now we're gonna do one in the community and we're gonna put solar and storage uh, in a African-American home because uh, the data shows that even when you're correct for income, African-Americans don't adopt solar uh, uh, as much as other demographic uh, and ethnicities. uh, ethnicities. And then there's other data that says that solar has a ripple effect regardless of where it's put, if you put it in one place there in a certain radius, it'll start, more people will adopt. So we wanna do this project um, and I've gotten uh, assistance from an equipment manufacturer uh, and some local nonprofits that are helping uh, 
along with TSEA and, and, and we're gonna use energy electives uh, to get it done um, to do this also uh, for a home that it can be in the, in, in the neighborhood and people can see it, be educated. Uh, and also hopefully they'll want to adopt it as well. Cause we're, the, the issue is just storage, you know, right now it's, you know, solar has come down where it's affordable, but when there is no buyback program, there's no net metering because TVA took that away. Uh, now we have to talk about uh, to optimize your investment, maximize the energy you're making. You've got to have storage, but that kicks up the uh, initial cost. So right. you've got to think of ways to finance and, and come up with solutions for the storage uh, addition. So on that note, do you kind of have any minimum or maximum thresholds for the for the kind of client or the kind of person that you're trying to get this out to? Um, given that I have both kind of the nonprofit and, and you know, the business arm, I don't really have a, a threshold per se um, because we're gonna continue. The equipment manufacturer that donated the equipment um, is wanting to kind of see what happens, right? Does this ripple effect happen? Um, the nonprofits that are doing some, you know, providing some supplemental uh, income, they kind of want to see is this replicable? So we're going to get it done and see where that is. And if it is uh, successful uh, and kind of causes uh, the ripple effect that we in, in desire, then I think they're going to want to continue more donations. So it could be from the nonprofit side that we're able to continue to put solar in uh, low-income neighborhoods and, and people who couldn't otherwise afford it. I have a goal with TSEA of being able to subsidize solar such that the payback is 10 years or less. Um, so if that's the case, whomever, it doesn't matter if they're low-income or not, um, we want to you know do something that, like that eventually. Um, and all that takes is just kind of the, you know, a pot of money, a fund sitting there that says, okay, here's the solar, here's what it would take to buy solar. How much can you come up with? We'll supplement the rest such that your payback is within 10 years. Um, and then from the for-profit side, we're looking at commercial uh, installations, you know, we're looking at uh, megawatt installations. So there's really no limit on the commercial side. You said that the when you adjust for income, African American communities adopt solar less than the other communities. Why? Why do you think that is? So, um, personally, I, I think the the report I think was a uh, Dr. Deborah Sumter um, uh, was you know just kind of uh, uh, identifying the issue, um, and I'm not sure it went into. You know why I particularly believe that that even if you correct for income, so that means that you make eighty thousand, I make eighty thousand. The wealth gap is still such that it it says that you've got more liabilities than I have, and I can't, I don't have the quote unquote discretionary income or uh, you know the the ability to take out thirty or forty thousand dollars, you know to to do solar. So I think it has a lot to do with the wealth gap and then education. Um, that's true for a lot of folks, you know, in my work, I find that there's just a lot of people just don't know what solar does. You know, I'm in the industry and it just feels like, oh yeah, solar panels, they make electricity, but people can say, what does solar actually do? And it's almost like cold water. Like you've got a lot more work to do. 
if people don't know what solar PV does. So um, there's a big education gap and that's part of what the work of TSEA, um, just to kind of go out and advocate uh, and um, you know, talk to our, our policymakers, talk to our, our community members um, and, and about what solar is and what it can do. When you're thinking about what you said about there was you need to educate, but you need to educate in a way that people understands the value to them. I got to imagine as a minister, you often are doing the same thing where you're trying to educate people in a ways to say there's more value into the way you comport your life. Have you seen any crossover in the way that you you can talk to people about something spiritual and then something that is more just straight up scientific? This is what solar electricity is. That's an interesting question. I'm not sure. Uh, most people that keep those two things separate, right? Like science and religion, <laughs> you're pushing them together and asking me to ask, answer a question about that. Um, uh, <laughs> well, you are, you are a man of both science and of religion. So I feel like this must, this dichotomy must exist within you. Y yes. Um, it, what make, you know, it maybe it, I, well, I think what I consider, like I said about solar, I'm, I'm in solar. It seems very uh, natural to me and what I might, think is natural, someone else might see from the outside and say, oh, you're you're using that skill from over there, over here. And I I don't know it. I just, I'm just being me, right? So uh, I I think that to possibly answer that question, I probably would think about it after we're done and think I could answer that better. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Give it a roll here. If you want to come back later roll. on, we'll we'll go we can revisit later on. Yeah. Some days some days that's the story of my life. I'm like, oh, I could have said that better. Often with jokes, I'm like, oh, I could have done that way better. <laughs> For sure. Um, but yeah, I think that my, you know, our, my belief in this the almighty God and his son, Jesus Christ, and that from, you know, these are all scriptural references from one blood he made all nations so from adam everybody comes and from one man jesus who gives his blood all men are saved i just believe that you know we are all humans and just have different hues but when you kind of break us down we've all kind of got the same aspirations and fears and insecurities and and, and desires for ourselves and our families so that part of my religion or that part of my faith uh, allows me to feel like I can talk to any group. So, you know, I find myself, you know, talking with, you know, African-American church members, as well as predominantly um, uh, Caucasian uh, green groups like Sierra Club or uh, uh, Tipple is one that I'm in now, Tennessee mm -hmm. Innovate Power and Light. So I'm just, you know, I just, I think that you, um, if I can, you know, if we can talk about, like there's so many different facets, you know, from the economics to the job creation, to the saving of the environment, everyone has a part that I think can, that they're interested in in solar. I haven't met anyone, the, the biggest, issue with solar is cost. And so now we've got to 
kind of educate like, hey, prices have fallen. They, they kind of felt that sticker shock back 10, 15 plus years ago, like, oh yeah, I'll never be able to do that. And they think it's the same because most things kind of increase in price, but solar has fallen in price and we've got to educate around that. So that's the probably the biggest conversation I'm having is, um, you know, hey, this is affordable. We can, we can, you know, if you've got some type of income, it's, it's, it's in reach. It's not where it should be or where it could be, but it's within reach if you want it. Um, and it's not really around solar itself because most people, you know, whatever background, if you just say, hey, you can get energy from the sun and not pay the electric company because you're making your own power. <laughs> they're like, that's awesome. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Do you think there's an element of it? I mean, I don't know. I live in a world of, of, of more sort of startup finance, very sort of cut and dry. And so arguments generally fall about show it to me in the numbers. If it doesn't make sense in the numbers, what have you. And a lot of what I do with with the conversations that we have now is more about this idea of we're all in it together. Climate change is something that does not care about any of your demographic information. Certainly you can be more or less prepared or advantaged to deal with the consequences. And that is absolutely true or have more fault about what led to those consequences. But at the end of the day, it's truly unifying in the sense that we all share this earth. We all share this home. And so we all have a responsibility for it. Did you do you find that that sort of community shared responsibility for bringing all of us together it, that that is espoused in this like fight against climate change, the fight for the future? Does that translate for the community aspects of the organizing that you do? Um, as you were talking, I was thinking about uh, it's possibly maybe answering a previous question, but maybe it's you know answering this one. But I, I just want to say that. Um, yeah, in this uh, science and, and religion thing, in this climate change, that's probably, <clears throat> excuse me, the you know biggest thing to convince people of in that there is a certain, I guess, school of thought that we moved out of the ice age, right? And that wasn't because of socks and knocks, you know, that was some other, uh, element uh, some other issue that the earth was going through so how am i certain that you know all of the pollution that's being put into the atmosphere is actually what's causing the climate change right that's so some people really you know have that issue and i think that's a from that perspective that's a valid question it may not you know be very educated but i think it's it's valid that the earth does kind of just you know there's a belief that the earth will just absorb whatever we put out, right? So um, I don't try to have that argument uh, so much. Um, well, what but what do you I, do when someone says that? When somebody says, I, first of all, what, are, <coughs> what is socks and knocks? Um, uh, sulfide or sulfur oxide. It's just the, the pollutants and nitrogen oxide. Right, okay. Yeah. I thought it was a reference to Knoxville. So oh, that's, no, no, no. that's how little I know about socks and knocks. Yeah. So, but, but what do you do when somebody says that? And NOx. <laughs> this is why I have Kirti here who, under, who yeah. can speak science for me. Um, but yeah. What do you do when people say that saying like, you know, the history of the earth is long. Maybe this is natural. So I say that, okay. The, if you say greenhouse effect and climate change, that might seem a little um, too, um, 
too professorial, you know, too, you know, theoretical and green. But here's here's what's true. I say things like, if we're in a room and someone across the room is smoking and I'm not a smoker, will I cough or would you cough or would you smell that or would that influence you? And most people will say, yeah, it, it, it would because they're smoking, that smoke is traveling and I'm breathing it now. So whether or not the, the more grand scale is happening, the very local is, is definitely happening. So where we're putting out all the pollutants, the people in that area are definitely suffering from it. And you can look at the you know, health records in those areas and see that asthma is much higher there and respiratory illness and pulmonary illness is much higher in those areas. So regardless if there's this grand scheme, because I'm also, uh, you know, in, in, in the faith, in Christianity, there is, you know, uh, it is written, it is believed that this earth will dissolve, it will be destroyed, you know, and we'll, you know, those of us who are uh, believers and, and, and of faith will go into a new heaven and a new earth. So the belief is that no man has the ability to destroy the earth. Only God will have that ability. So whether or not you, you want to go into that realm and, and, and talk about whether or not man is contributing to that, you know, in that in the first time that God destroyed the earth, it was man who contributed to that because God got upset with man and what they were doing. Uh, what we were doing and destroy the earth. So you can fight that fight on and have that theological debate, but whether whether that's true or not, or however that works, locally, you still are harming yourself by putting a lot of pollutants in the air around you. And you can distance yourself from that and say, well, the, the power is being made three or 400 miles away. That's not bothering me. I'm okay in my uh, heavily wooded uh, neighborhood that cleans the air and I, it's fine here, but that's, that doesn't, you know, that's not loving your neighbor as yourself, right? So um, it's, it's, it's an issue. You, if you were in a room with smokers, you would cough, you would be upset. You would not want to be there. You would not want to be harmed. And that's what the use of fossil fuels does. It, it puts a lot of pollutants into the air and it's hurting someone. Yeah. I like I love the idea of reframing it in a way that can still speak the language of whatever your audience is, but putting it in the the overlaying the fact that like perhaps this could be considered in a different way. I was just telling my sister the other day that that's why we, we norms are only what we're experiencing because of leadership. So leaders create the norms and and so and PV is where it is because the leaders, um, you know, decided to go with you know, oil and gas over electricity. Uh, and so we need leadership to change the norms and, and help us to see. So we're, we're inside of a norm and we think it's norm, it's, it's, it's okay, it's good, but it's all it is is the environment that our leaders have put us in. So I think that um, I have somewhat seen that there is a better way. And I think that um, I would probably probably be further along uh, in my in in pushing PV. Now, everyone's experience, and everyone who's in the TVA Valley is having to fight TVA. 
But as an African-American, I do see and find it more challenging to get the data I'm looking for from government officials or, um, you know, many times just the, the trust that this can be done, especially if me being the only, I'm the only African-American that's certified to do solar in the state. So I think that just also comes with being a pioneer that you've got to break down those walls. And it's, it's not something that, uh, that I bemoan. It, it's, it's something that accept, a challenge I accept. I, I like it, I enjoy it because the, the other side of it is, is so great. You know, when you do what people didn't think you could do, they're like, wow, you know, this is, this is amazing, this is great. What was it like going down that road? Did you, I mean, it's got, that's got to be a different way to go down than literally everyone else <laughs> that has done that. Yes. Um, it is what you, like I said, as you get older and you kind of see, oh, you know, like when I got the, so once you move into corporate America, all people of color in America find that the more you ascend, the less you see of yourself. So um, you know, as you move as far as you know aesthetically, what you know what you look like. Um, and so as I moved in that direction, I started seeing less of myself, but also understood that that you know is kind of common. Uh, and then I was like, well, you know, I got the bug for solar. I, you know, I tell often that when I started peeling all the layers back, I was like, this is great. You know, solar is everything. It matches my faith. It matches my technical education it matches all these things and it's, it can help my community it's i love solar right i was sold i was smitten and nothing was going to turn me around and so then i just pushed towards that not thinking about the environment that i was in i was kind of already used to being the only african-american in the room or very, or very few but i'm just wanting to go after solar and then i'm thinking you know you look up one day and you're like hmm I don't know anyone else uh, that's African-American or you know, another person of color that I've in this state um, that's doing this. And then a, a lady who was working for another nonprofit um, who was African-American, she fairly pretty much confirmed it, you know, because she found me and was like, I've been looking at you for you for like three or four years. So she started calling me a unicorn. Uh, so, uh, she was like, you're the only one. I was like, I thought I might've been the only one, but I didn't, I wasn't sure if she's like, no, I literally looked like I wasn't looking. I was just kind of thinking. She was like, no, I've literally looked, you're the only one. And then we started putting that out in articles, waiting for someone to raise their hand and say, no, you're not. And that hasn't happened in four or five years. And so, as I said, it was, you know, it was a source of pride initially. It's great to be um, the first, but now it's more like, you know, it's nice, it's cool, but I don't, first is good, but only is not good. So I want to, I want to see more African-Americans. So how, how are you able to do that then? I mean, the, the, they say the, the best example, the best thing that you can do for a younger generation is to show them what it looks like to break down those barriers and say, here, this is what it is to be an African-American man in this position where there was one before that way someone can imagine themselves following in your footsteps. Like, do you feel like a responsibility for that? Do you, I don't know. Tell me a little bit about what, no, what it's like. Man, and again, whole other book that we could write. That's exactly, you know, what I've uh, been been after and been chasing. Being, you know, grad school is what helped me build the model that I'm, I'm working with now with my, my business and even towards the nonprofit. Uh, and in grad school, it was, you know, it was this see it, be it model. Like I wanted to 
you know, be a visible example of what it would, you know, be to be a, um, uh, an executive, or, you know, or a pioneer in, in this industry. So, um, you know, that's also a part of, you know, the, the endeavor to kind of serve the community is to, is to be that model. So, yeah, I mean, I, I hope, and that's, that's why the school was so important to, to be able to show uh, these students, one, you can do this, um, and two, you don't have to be afraid to, you know, raise your hand and ask for, you know, ask a question about this because if you see someone that may look like a cousin or an uncle or a dad, or uh, then it makes you feel like, yeah, I can ask him, you know, whereas someone looks, doesn't look like somebody you can relate to, then you may not want to, you know, ask that question or pursue that with them. But for me, um, I've been in I've been in this environment so long. You know, it's one thing I'm on the mayor's sustainability advisor advisory committee um, in my city in Nashville. And years ago, when I would be a part of things like this, it was um, you know intimidating um, because these people are you know, experts, and I'm kind of just breaking into the into, into the world of sustainability and energy and solar and but now all of these people are you know largely caucasian but i kind of personally know 60 to 70 percent of them you know we've had personal conversations or went out to lunch or worked together so i don't even feel or see the same that i did when i didn't know them so you know familiarity is big and breaking down you know these walls and i'm able to and i think that's one of the models you know, that I think I'm showing kind of organically that, you know, you just got to get in there, get to know people. And then when you do, they don't become African-American or Caucasian or Indian anymore. They, it's, you know, it's just Jason. In the last year, we've gone through so much as a country and as the world, but specifically here in the United States. And two of the biggest ones that we've seen a uh, reaction in the way that race relations in the United States are unfair and the systemic systemic racism that has come to the fore. And then on the other hand, we've also seen a huge surge in people that are aware of the dire threat of climate change and how how much we need to act as a country. And obviously those are related, right? The It is not the systemic racism that was perpetuated through both the American and writ large, the world system certainly has informed the people that are most disenfranchised the people that are in the worst situation that are bearing the brunt of climate change. But rarely have I had an opportunity to talk to somebody who's so much in both worlds as somebody who's like a, both a minister and an African-American, a church in Tennessee and the only African-American person registered to hang solar panels on roofs. Like you are the middle of that Venn diagram. So like, what does it look like from that position? What does the world look like through your eyes? Man, that's a, wow. What does the world look like through my eyes? Well, I mean, just for that particular thing, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. It's helped me ask a better question then. Yeah. Cause you know, I'm still Jason at the end of the day, right? <laughs> right. I don't mean to put that mantle on you either. Not like yeah. you have all the all the answers to the questions. But right, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm fine with it. I just want to make sure I just want to feel like I'm answering the right question. Like I could give you, you know, so many answers about how I see things. Um, but you know, kind of being somewhat at the, the intersection. 
of, you know, that's that's one of the things in my company is that, you know, I'm at the intersection of diversity and clean energy. And it's one of our, our models and missions. So, um, yeah, it just, I, here's, I, here's probably the best way I can explain it, I think. Um, one of my heroes, I'm, I'm a big civil rights movement buff, like in the way that people are civil war buffs, like I eat up books and, and, and seminars and, you know, video on the civil rights movement, because I feel like, you know, I'm older now, so I kind of understand this perspective, but when I was a little younger, uh, I used to think, man, the 60s changed our nation. Like that decade, they killed Kennedy and Martin Luther King and RFK and Malcolm X. And it was like everybody that was had any good in them, <laughs> they were just taken away. And it's like, so I got a, a real, and Nashville has a very strong civil rights history. Uh, and I, I kind of fell in love with um, John Lewis, um, uh, the recently late congressman, uh, and read his book called Walking with the Wind. And it was kind of the first time that I was like, this is what I was missing. Because everybody seems so larger than life. Everybody's like Kennedy, and MLK. And it's like, these are like these giants. Um, but in his, in John Lewis's book, he explains almost like, I was this country boy that I didn't know anything from anything. I just kind of walked forward. I heard Martin King on the radio and it was like, I want to meet him. Luckily he asked me to come up and meet him, wrote him a letter. He said, come meet, you know, next thing you know, I'm in Nashville going in, at college at American Baptist college. And, you know, just kind of his story just unfolded in a very organic and natural way to, to he became the John Lewis that, you know, so I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, a pioneer. I, I get that. I don't, I don't like, you know, those lofty terms, but, you know, and as much as, you know, it's facts is, as far as we know, as far as I know, I'm the only one African-American and I'm, and I'm in between that space, but I'm a part of Tipple, which is Tennessee, Tennessee Interfaith Power and Light with others that also are religious, but believe in conservation, sustainability and you know, technologies like wind and solar. So, you know, I still get to swim in in pools of like-minded individuals regardless. It's not like there's this pool of water and I'm the only fish in it. I may have to jump between pools, but every time I jump into that pool, I'm in the pool with like-minded individuals. And so, you know, I, you know, I can, um, you know, I'm comfortable doing that. Other, I will say that anyone that's around me for some a measure of time to see something like this that I'm doing that I do probably once enough twice a week you know like they're like you your presentation is you know southern gentleman you know christian minister preacher but if you follow me follow me around you're like he's got a NPR article, a Sierra Club article, he's on, you know, this board and on this and, you know, it's, again, I'm just swimming in, in pools and, and, and jumping across, but, and I don't really, I, I hear people say, wow, you're a unicorn and you're unique, um, but I don't, you know, want to stop. I, I still say, I'm not yet, I don't, I'm not yet 
like sitting on top of you know mountains of money from my business and work like there's so much more work to be done and that makes me feel like i'm in the spirit of those from like the civil rights movement that that's kind of what they always said like yeah i know we just walked across edmund pettus bridge but there's so much more that we've got to do so i don't feel like there's a moment to stop and say look at the world through my eyes it's more like hey just follow me i'm going somewhere with this i love it you know and it's great but i don't i don't know exactly how to stop and say this is what everything is and and how people should you know see it through my eyes i guess is the best i think way. that's a great point right you're just like yeah. listen just you you're pioneering in the right direction so just follow just follow your lead you know maybe that was the right direction to ask where are we going <laughs> so i gotta i gotta close with the same qu a question we ask most everyone and i'm so curious about your answer what advice would you give the younger version of you who is just starting off on this journey like right when you caught that solar bug like what would what would be the advice you'd give yourself um this one is, is the I'm so ready for this one because I, I was asking myself this one the other day, you know, and it's it's tough, you know, because there's so many things that you um, experience. But I, I think the number one thing that I would tell myself, you know, years ago, um, and I don't know, and hopefully I didn't go too far back. I think you said when I first caught the solar bug. But, well, you you can go as far, however okay. far back you'd like to go. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, just as a as a young, you know, a teenager coming into adulthood, you know, I feel like the more thing I would tell myself, and I think this is true for everyone, but I think it's very true for um, you know, African-American males <clears throat> in the States and even in the South, is invest in yourself. That's, mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing. It's, it's important to to know that, you know, <clears throat> I think that, um, so going back to my faith, um, I think that most of our, our issues, most of whatever we're going through, you can find it kind of in the Garden of Eden. <clears throat> and, you know, it's, you know, if you read that and, and kind of dissect it and say, okay, this is still the condition of man. We still are, you know, created great, and then some type of temptation comes our way and it takes us off our path. And then we can decide either to hide or we can face it or, and, and try to get ourselves back on the path. You know, this is, but one of the things, you know, in that, that happened in the garden is that, um, you know, God made man and then said, all these things I made before you, trees and oceans and mountains and every insect, all the livestock you it's yours name it do what you want with it you know you can this garden's yours do what you want with it you know just don't go over and mess with that tree in the middle of the garden that's it you know but everything other than that it's yours and i think that's what every person at the end of the day is you're your best self when you're when you have freedom to be as creative as you want to be when you have freedom to think how you want to think and move where you want to move and have dominion over your domain. Um, and we can chase something like fame or wealth or whatever it is 
and force ourselves to be enslaved or under the dominion of others to get there and it and it diminishes the light that you really that you could really show if if you really just said hey you know forget fame and wealth this is what i really care about i, I really care about helping people the homeless solar you know bringing great stories to, to bear this is what my passion is and so to do that you've, you've got to go out on the own many times and um, so don't be afraid to go out on your own and, and put you know investment behind what you're trying to accomplish all right mm -hmm. i think that that's a wonderful place to wrap it up jason thank you so much for coming on and and talking with us today kirti as always thank you very much for joining us i'll say finally because you said i could one thank you lex thank you uh kirti and please donate to tennessee solar energy association that's www.tnsolarenergy.org so we can bring more solar to more people we're going to put that in the show notes and Kirti and I will talk about it at the top of the show so that we can make sure that everyone is aware of that. And absolutely. And Hey, I, thank you for the work you're doing. You're literally, you are literally changing the world around your community and setting an example for other people to follow. And the humility with which you comport yourself is almost as impressive and inspiring as the work that you are doing. So I really appreciate it. I appreciate the chance to get to know you and for you to speak to us today.